Hello and welcome back to another special episode of the Flight School Podcast, our very first live edition of the podcast. Currently recording this uh, in my own home, well, my parents' home, I guess, but sitting here as one of your hosts, Turner Mullicott, joined today by Adrian Walker, on-site, live podcast. How we feeling? Uh, we're, I mean, it's great. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a lunch break for work trying to fit this in because we definitely need to get a pod out you know week of the nba finals is kind of important um we have jasper whining behind the door wanting to come in and join us give his thoughts and opinions on the finals but i don't think his his i don't think his takes are going to be quite as as good as ours no probably not um Unfortunately, again, uh, summer scheduling, we couldn't get Jonah on this pub. That's okay, because we have quite a bit to talk about um, after Game 1 happened uh, two nights ago uh, and sort of our expectations for the series. Uh, But before we get into that, I just want to give myself a huge pat on the back for calling this finals matchup before before we started this whole thing. Because I said the winner of the Suns-Lakers series and the bucks will be the finals matchup um and really my when i set my lakers fandom to the side my my brain said it's going to be suns bucks uh and that's where we're at um great final series wish Giannis had come in a little bit more healthy um but before even game one i wish we'd been able to record this before game one but i think going into this before the playoffs started i would have picked the bucks with Giannis's injury and the way that the Suns have looked so far in the playoffs, I was going with the Suns in in six before before we saw anything. Um, who did you have, if if you can be honest, before uh, everything started on Tuesday? Well, it's funny. I kind of want to go back to the whole. First off, congrats on, on thank you, thank finals. you. I was right for <laughs> once in my life. It'll never happen again. I was on fire in terms of like. <laughs> projecting how these playoffs will play out it's i mean it's been a whole conversation regarding the injuries and what teams would have made it should have made it could have made it um i think the bucks probably lose to the nets if the nets stay healthy that's very true i think um the suns might have lost to the lakers if they were healthy i think the suns also would have lost to the clippers if Kawhi was healthy um and I would have. I was very. I was very close to also getting it right. Um, <laughs> That's very I, true. I picked the Bucks in the winner of the Mavs or Clippers series. And if Kawhi is healthy in that series, and if series... Kawhi is healthy, I'm pretty certain that the the Clippers pull that one out, um, and we'd have a, a Clippers Bucks finals right now. Much to your disdain, if that had happened. Truly, but but it did not happen. We are here. We have the Bucks and we have the Suns. And initially, um, we actually posted these results on the lead because we had some of our staff throwing our, their predictions. I picked the Bucks in six. I'm already regretting that decision after <laughs> yeah. game one. Yeah, you should. See, the thing that convinced me that the Bucks were going to be a team to reckon with like versus the Suns is the way Drew Holiday played at the end of the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, with Giannis out, Drew had to step up, and it's the first time he's kind of had to step up all year. And he really like he stepped up in a big way. Um, 
and kind of became the Drew Holiday of old, I guess you right. could say vintage Drew. Um, and I thought with an unlocked Drew Holiday plus Giannis returning from injury, the Bucks were going to be an even better, like they were going to be peaking at the right time. You know, we always talk about, oh, you need your team to be playing its best basketball whenever it's it's most important. And I thought the Bucks were setting themselves up. Although it's weird to say that Giannis's injury might have helped them, it, I thought it was going to help them. Then game one took place, and I realized, oh yeah, with Giannis back, everything just resorted back to old because Bud does not realize how to adjust to get the best out of all of his players, um, exactly. especially ones that are riding a hot streak like Drew Holiday's riding or, well, or was riding. Well, so, my biggest thing concerning the Bucks and and Coach Bud was that. One of the biggest thing, things that they exploited against the Hawks when Giannis was out is the use of um, Brooke Lopez, the Bobby Portis Jr., as just like complete enforcers on the inside. And the Hawks just did not have the reinforcements to back up Clay Capella or to take advantage of that. And for three quarters of basketball in game one of the finals, we saw Chris Paul, especially, but Chris Paul and Devin Booker eat Brooke, Brooke Lopez alive on the defensive end they were yes. caught they were running very easy pick and roll plays where they get the switch on brooke lopez and then it was almost a guaranteed bucket and brooke lopez actually played a pretty good game he scored almost 20 points he was great on the offensive end yeah. but bud didn't do anything to adjust the defense or run a different lineup until the fourth quarter when they were down 20 points in the fourth quarter he put Giannis at the five, and they actually climbed back within nine. And I'm I was sitting there, rewatching the game this morning, going, "Why would you not have done that at halftime? Why would the- you not have done that in the first quarter? I mean, it was the first like six possessions. I think four of them were pick and rolls with Brooke Lopez featured as as the defensive role man, and it did not work out for the Bucks any of those times. It- so it doesn't make sense. And it, it was even more evident to me that it was a product of coaching because when the Bucks did that and they got within nine after being down almost 20, Monty Williams countered with his own small ball lined up, changed up the offense, and then the the Suns kept them at bay, kind of pulled within you know that 13 to 15 range. And that's that was the biggest difference other than the play of you know the likes of DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, um, and... Uh, last but certainly not least, Cam Johnson, who we'll get to in a bit. That was the difference to me in game one, was that one coach clearly had a game plan and was exploiting something and was adapting, and the other coach thought their successes in the previous series, plus Giannis, would just work, and then sat there for a while, and then finally adjusted, but too late. And that's been the story of Coach Bud that we've talked about over and over and over. Um, But I think... From there, how do the Bucks get back in this series? Is is the series? I mean, certainly the series is not already already over. But how do the Bucks adjust if they even do adjust with Coach Put at the helm? Well, it's funny because ten minutes into the game, into game one, after I had already picked Milwaukee in six, I tweeted out something along the lines of, "I have no idea." why I went Milwaukee when it's Monty Williams versus Coach Bud. Like, I should have known not to pick Coach Bud over Monty Williams. 
and well, here we are. Um, do I think I obviously saying the series is over would be way that, that's product of the moment. Yeah. Um, that that's far too soon. It's far too soon to declare anything, but I don't see the Bucks finding their way back into this series um, because they don't. They have the players like they have the oh, roster absolutely. they have the ability to make these adaptations to be able to switch everything um to do i, I mean Giannis can guard probably one through five chris middleton can probably guard one through four drew holiday can guard one through three like they have these dudes that can that can do a lot even pat Connaughton's a, a decent defender um he's kind of filled that dante divincenzo role um, that they've been sorely missing. But I don't know. With Monty Williams' ability to make coaching adjustments, with Chris Paul being an active coach on the court, um, and what, with what, my, in my opinion, is the biggest storyline of maybe not necessarily the final, well, probably the finals now, but maybe not necessarily the playoffs up to this point, DeAndre Ayton's turned himself into an absolute monster. Oh. Um, I, I think that was the storyline of game one, and I think it might end up being the storyline of the playoffs. I'm, I was trying to think last last night or two nights ago, who, what other big man's been better than Ayton outside of Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic the two for in- this playoff run? Yeah, nobody. Yeah. Like he, during this playoffs, other than the two leading MVP candidates has been the best big man by far. And he started to show that the biggest thing for me is he started to show that against one of the best big men in the league in Anthony Davis in game one of the Lakers sun series, he punked Anthony Davis like game one against in this final series. He's nearly doing a 2020. He's the first player since Tim Duncan to have a you know more than fifteen point more than fifteen rebound game in either the playoffs or the NBA finals, and the the guy is my age; he's twenty two years old, yeah. and he's playing to the potential that I think the Suns believed in him when they picked him number one. Um, we've already talked about how you know Chris Paul has definitely upped his his game; the coaching has upped his game, but he's out there making making plays that you wouldn't necessarily expect him to make when you have guys like uh, Brooke Lopez and Giannis battling him for rebounds or attacking him on the offensive end. And he's holding his ground and then some. I mean, Giannis played pretty well, but I would say that Aiden outplayed him. And that yeah. that's huge. Now, was Giannis completely 100%? I don't quite believe that. But at the same time... There were some plays they kind of made that definitely show that he he had the skill to to play well, and Aiton just does not back down and uses his positioning on the floor so so well. Yes, Chris Paul and Devin Booker are part of the reason those pick and rolls are so easy, but another reason is because Aiton's positioning on those pick and rolls. Oh, it's stellar! Is so his patience. He waits the right amount of time to open up the mid range, and then he cuts to the basket. He looks like he's been in the league for like 10 years when he's setting those pick and rolls and he's part of the reason his play 
the and I want to get back to this. The Suns' offense that entire game just looked really easy, fluid, so easy to execute. And I don't think the Bucks played poorly offensively, but the way the Suns' defense was set up and the way that their offense was running, you felt like most of the Bucks' offense was difficult and they had to claw and work for it and make difficult shots. Whereas the Suns were doing pick and rolls, kicking it out. Like, barely was there a shot that the Suns made where you were like, oh, wow, that was a like tough shot that they had to force right. in there. Everything was just, okay, they ran a play, they executed it well, and more often than not, it went in. So, I don't know. That's the biggest thing that I'm looking for the Bucks to stop. Because if the Bucks can stop that, then maybe they have a chance in the series. But if... Aiden and, and Chris Paul and, and the the crew continue to play like that. That they, they don't they don't have a chance. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing is if if the Bucks are going to have a shot in this series, it's gonna be from their ability to adjust to what the Suns did in Game One, and then whenever the Suns counter adjust, be able to adjust like. It's purely going to fall on whether or not Coach Bud can make the right, not not even the right adjustments, but at least make adjustments to give the Suns different looks, to give Chris Paul different defenders to look at on the court. He, he, as great as Chris Paul, I mean, Chris Paul's phenomenal. He's one of the best, probably, manipulators of the pick and roll of all time. Um, but he's still only six foot, if that. Yeah. And if you put a 6'11 Giannis on him who has the mobility to stay with him laterally, you know, like it's, there's things that you can do to kind of counter what the Suns did in game one. And I think it it's, it doesn't make sense to me why you wouldn't try and make those adjustments, at least throw different looks, try and get the Suns out of rhythm. Because like you said, in game one, it was very easy. It was very fluid. Um, it's one of those things where you're like, I don't see how you could beat this team if they're going to be shooting like this, if they're going to be performing in this way. Exactly. And th- there's other things on top of that too. Again, just rewatching the game this morning and I was just checking his stat line. Jay Crowder played like Jay Crowder on the defensive end, but Jay Crowder was terrible. Like he was breaking threes yep. terribly. And I kept on wanting the Bucks to, okay, we'll double team the pick and roll and force Jay Crowder to hit an open shot because clearly he wasn't. That's, I mean, that's not going to work for the whole game, but maybe you do that for a couple defensive sets. He's not making it, and you're forcing the Suns to have somebody else beat you other than just continue to be manipulated by the pick and roll. Things like that, small details like that are going get to you, get you back into the game. Um, but before we go on and maybe preview what we think is going to happen in game two and the rest of the series, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about our boy. Because Cam Johnson, who has played stellar this entire playoffs, I mean, he's just been phenomenal ever since he was going toe-to-toe with LeBron in yep. the Lakers series. Yeah. But the difference in game one of the finals, you know, he hit some great threes. Um, he, he was active on the offensive end was his defense. Yeah, he stripped Drew Holiday, a great, you know, he's not a poor handler of the basketball, and then just 
overpowered him by yanking the ball out of his hands. Um, he had a play on Giannis where he stripped Giannis in the post. Like, Cam Johnson against Giannis in the post should be easy money for Giannis 99% of the time. But Cam was not backing down. He was making phenomenal plays on the defensive end. He was becoming a playmaker. He had some phenomenal looks, uh, some high-low looks and things like that that he was doing. Um, And I think it's just such a great validation for all of us when he was getting drafted and people were like, oh, he's old. Like a number 11 people were questioning the yeah. like, what are you doing? It's like, ah, oh, he's not a lottery pick. Yeah, you know, he's 23 or 24. You know, he's not going to grow that much. It's like, yeah, but the player he already is and the role he's going to need to fill for the Suns is exactly what the Suns need. He's become a star in his role, um, which is what every single playoff team every single team that's in their quest for a title, no matter the sport, if you have role players that are stars in their role, that's what you strive for. That's what you look for. And Cam Johnson's the epitome of knowing what your role is and excelling and doing what you're asked to do. Like he's going to come off the bench. He's going to run. He's going to hit his, his corner threes or his open threes. Um, And then, you know, as we saw last night, at times he's going to even do more of that. And I think that's why you've constantly heard the announcers when he's in be like, he's more than just a shooter. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we, we, we've been known. We've known that. Yeah. And it's just been really awesome to see him get a ton of mainstream love and to see a player that we knew was going to be good in the NBA shine in a role. And I, I think he would have been good anywhere, but the fact that he could be where he is now was like the perfect situation for him. Oh, yeah. A team that was already building where he can fill, like you said, a very specific role where he's not being asked to bring up the ball or be the primary defender. Um, and it's just, it's working out so well for him. And his second quarter of that game was maybe the best basketball I've seen him play in the in the NBA thus far, and it's on the biggest stage. Like this is his first playoff experience, and it that's why it helps to have someone who played at the highest level of college basketball and went through it. And you know, you do have guys like DeAndre Ayton who are 22, played a year of college, have a couple of years in the NBA, who are gonna ball out for you. But not every 22 year old is going to get to that point. And so that's why you need guys like Cam Johnson. It shows the value of college athletics and college basketball. Like there's still a lot of value in being um, a a player at a university, especially a high level university um, for at least two, three, four years. Um, And learning under a hall of fame type coach like Roy Williams and recognizing what you are as a player and what you are capable of and it's it's cool to it's just really it's cool to see i think no it's everyone that that's watched cam johnson since he's been at unc is just grinning every time they're watching i i nearly you were working this morning but i nearly lost my mind when he stripped Giannis of the ball because i was like that's my boy that's my boy you know um but aside from cam johnson continuing to ball out for the rest of the series because we know that's going to happen what do you reasonably expect? I know we aren't too high on, on the Bucks' chances, mainly because we don't believe in their head coach. Um, but with Game 2 happening tonight, and I guess you know Game 3, 
happening before we record the next the next pod. Do we think this is a situation where the series gets competitive before the Suns? Do we see the Bucks punching back, or does this go back to Milwaukee 2-0 with the Bucks trying to regain footing? I think it goes back to 2-0, um, and I expect Phoenix to take a game in Milwaukee as well. I think Milwaukee's not going to get swept by any means, but no. they'll they'll probably lose a game in Milwaukee as well, if I had to guess. Now, maybe Giannis comes out and is dominant in game two, like realizes that he's fully healthy somehow. He's, I don't know. I don't even know how he's fully healthy. I don't know how he's but, like, yeah, knocking DeAndre Ayton back on the block with like, the knee bending the way it did a week ago. Yeah, like I, that does not make sense to me. He might as well be cyborg or alien or something. Um, but, yeah, I... I could see him coming out in game two and asserting himself and being like, no, I'm still, I'm a two-time MVP. I'm going to show you why that is the case. Um, And he's done that before, even though he might, he's, he's gotten knocked in the past um, for not having a bag or, or something along those, he's still an MVP. Like he's one of the most dominant players in the game, if not the most dominant player in the game. Um, so there's a real chance that he could come out in game two and forcibly help the Bucks steal that one. But I expect it to go back to Milwaukee with the Suns up 2-0. Um, something else that I wanted to mention, and I tweeted this last night, but I don't think people realized how deep DeAndre Ayton's draft class was. I didn't even fully realize it until I went back and looked at it last night. I'm going to read you off some names from the 2018 draft class. And just, I just want to oh. hear your reaction. Like, this is insane. This is It's insane to me. Okay, so DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic, Jaron Jackson Jr., Trey Young, Colin Sexton, Michael Bridges, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Miles Bridges, Michael Porter Jr., Dante G- DiVincenzo, Kevin Herter, uh, and, Fernie Simon, and Fernie Simmons even. Um, even Mo Wagner, like that's that's <laughs> insane. The top, first of all, the top of that draft has three stars at least, at least all stars, if not future All NBA guys, and then someone that I think a lot of people believe in in Luca, and then maybe even Trey, based off of how he played in the playoffs, as like generational talents, like yes. Luca's somewhat getting to that point where people are like that dude might be you know the guy right for for the next generation and then you get past that and you still have guys like bridges who are doing both bridges both bridges <laughs> really um guys like jaron jackson who yeah he was hurt for most of this year but that dude's uh, he's been looking really good whenever he's healthy and all of these guys that we've talked about herder was Make, out the yeah, I would say he was part of the reason for the Hawks' success, and all of these guys are only in their third season. Yeah, like Luca, because he played pro overseas, is the only one who you know has maybe the most experience. But like these guys are young, haven't hit their peaks yet, and I think you also you also tweeted this out during during the game, and I wanted to point this out is that people I don't think realize. Like you said, how much talent there is in the league 
oh, right now God. because you still have the the stars of old, the LeBrons, the KDs, the Kyries, the Hardens. Like, think about all of the super the Chris Pauls, all name players that are not in the NBA Finals right now. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. Uh, who else? Um, <laughs> like the list, but the list Jimmy goes on Butler, about like, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Yes. The list goes Kawhi on. Leonard, Paul George. The list goes on <laughs> and on. <laughs> and we've seen so much of the young talent be completely phenomenal and almost lead. Again, we were gushing we were gushing over trey young we we've gushed over luca yeah we've gushed over deandre ayton and the league is just heading in such a good direction um and it's just it's so amazing to see and i think that's what's made these playoffs despite all the superstars that have been injured is it's also allowed us to see the next generation the wealth of talent the wealth of talent and the next generation of superstars that are on the come up uh it's been really cool to highlight them even if it's for a crappy reason with all these injuries that have happened um it's it's just phenomenal to see but going back to the the series at hand and sort of what we're, we're feeling i'm with you i think first of all that that sun's arena has become especially in these playoffs and especially because we brought fans back pretty recently has become like one of those arenas. Like they are loud. Um, And that is is such a huge difference. I know that Suns play at a high level because of their coach, because of the veteran leadership of Chris Paul, but when their team is still young surrounding that and when you have those young players that are supported like a crowd like that it really makes a difference especially with the fact that the suns have home court advantage in this series so i don't see them dropping a game too i would like to see other than Giannis, Giannis played good in, in his first game back he didn't play like former mvp caliber level but yep. I didn't even expect the man to play in game one. So you know what? Like, I can't really follow him for that. No. What I want to see the Bucks do is I want them to be more aggressive on the offensive end. Um, because for a lot of game one, the Suns had a huge free throw disparity. And it wasn't for bad refereeing. It was because the Suns attacked the basket with easy offense and with, with shots that were designed, not, you know, jumping back into players like Trey Young and James Harden do, but that were designed to draw the contact. Um, and the only player that had more than one trip to the line on the Bucks was Giannis. And yes, the way Giannis plays, he's probably going to go to the line the most out of anyone on the Bucks because right. he plays around the rim. But if you're telling me that, you know, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday... Um, and even your big guys like Brooke Lopez are only putting up like two free throws, you're not running an aggressive enough offense, which allows the Suns to play more tightly and it makes your offense harder. So I want to see whether it's Chris Middleson or Drew Holiday, I want to see them be more aggressive, whether that's just taking it to the Suns, because I think that will open up more things for their offense. And maybe that allows Giannis to get going before he's fully able to, to take over the game. Because I don't think he's healthy enough to fully take over the game in game two. Maybe by, I think game three is on 
Sunday, so he gets a little bit of an extra time. So maybe by game three, he's to that point. Um, but I I don't really see the Bucks edging the Suns out in game two, but they can improve and they can adjust things to make this more of a series. Because if they continue to play the way they did in game one and, and Coach Bud continues to coach the way the Coach Bud coaches, this is this is over in five games. But I think the Bucks are better than that. And I think Giannis can get healthy enough to make this an actual series. I'll still say Suns in six, like I was going to say before the the playoffs. And that was more because, well, I thought Giannis was going to miss two or three games. Um, but I'll, I'll still say that. But um, I don't know. I want to see more urgency and aggressiveness from the Bucks in addition to some sort of adjustment to what the Suns are doing. Because right now the Suns are just kind of cruising. Yeah, I'll bounce off of that. Um, we have kind of similar ideas, but for different reasons. I also think the, the Bucks' style currently, offensive style, it's very perimeter-oriented, which makes no sense because they have the size in this series. Um, and not only that, we just talked at length about how great DeAndre Ayton's been. Right. Why would you not attack DeAndre Ayton on the defensive side of the ball? Because if you look at the Suns roster, the only player that's kind of irreplaceable, like obviously Chris Paul's great. You can't replace Chris Paul, but Cameron Payne has been phenomenal. Yeah. Like you can't replace Devin Booker, but there are sh- other shooters on the Suns. There are other scores um, that, that can show up if need be. Whereas you don't have a replacement. For DeAndre Ayton. Especially now that uh, Saric is, is yes, out with his ACL. Your so, backup for DeAndre Ayton right now is Frank Kaminsky. And that's yeah. Frank Kaminsky's not good at basketball. No, I'm sorry. No. Like, <laughs> like, my point is, like, if you get DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble, the Suns have to completely change who they are. I'm going to say they either have to put in Frank Kaminsky, which is going to give you an advantage, or they're going to run small. And then, then Bucks, then Coach Bud, then you can put Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis yes. and and do what you did to the Hawks. But you you can't do that from the get go and not attack DeAndre Ayton and expect it to work out. But yes. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, no. If if they attack DeAndre Ayton on the off on the defensive side of the ball, if they if Giannis goes at the paint, if Chris Middleton tries to get in the paint instead of take, I know mid range is bread and butter, but try and draw some contact. Drew Holiday's really good at getting to, to his spots, getting to his um, to the rim, you know, finding contact. If you can get Aiton in foul trouble, it changes the dynamic, not only of the game, but potentially of the series, um, especially with Sarge out, because I don't know what the Suns can do to game plan against DeAndre Aiton being in foul trouble. It's um, Yeah, that's, like you said, the one position where they don't have a depth right now. Yeah. And the so, replacement. That that's that's what I would like to see the Bucks do. I don't think Bud will do that. So I think I mean, we honestly s- now I, I actually have the Suns in five. I think the Bucks get one game in Milwaukee, but I I think I was very wrong in my initial take <laughs> that Milwaukee in six was gonna happen. Um if Giannis goes crazy, then maybe he proves me wrong and maybe the Bucks do find a way to win in six. I don't think they'll win in Phoenix in seven. So if they're going to get it done, it has to be in Milwaukee in six. Um, we'll see. I think Phoenix in five, though. Now, at this point, after seeing game one, 
that like that Island. being said despite all that that game one was immensely entertaining and i think the entire oh, yeah. series and the entire finals are going to be immensely entertaining there's there's too much there's one there's too many fun stars like chris paul who are just going to be fun to watch and there, there's just too much good basketball being played um for it not to be an entertaining series so i think regardless i'm gonna be excited for the rest of the series i'm kind of with you we saw what happened at the beginning of the third quarter in game one the buck started to get blown out because coach bud couldn't make any adjustments um but we'll we'll see i'm really excited for game two and three um hopefully next week uh we'll get we'll get jonah on uh, to see what he his thoughts have been on the finals and kind of see where we are after a few more games are in the books. Um, but real quick, before before we head out, we did just get the news that dropped uh, that Marquette transfer Darson Garcia is going to Chapel Hill next year, which is a oh, huge get for the Tar Heels. We'll talk about that more when Jonah is on next week, but I couldn't let the pod go this week with that news breaking during the pod. So huge get for the Heels huge win for the suns on tuesday uh and as always huge wins for for cam johnson all around for both his his nba team and his alma mater but that'll do it for this uh quick nba finals focused episode of the podcast uh thank you so much for listening you can follow us on twitter at flight underscore pod uh and until next time uh go watch some finals games great basketball and have a wonderful July.